we talk about it as artists and people say, I'm not creative. Well, that is not true. Hashem created you that way. First of all, you're mirroring him. Second of all, you make children. You create things every day and you don't even realize it. You don't call it creativity. Hi, I'm Tanya, and you are listening to Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss the deepest parts of Torah, not just as scholars, but also as human beings. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Human and Holy or support our work in any way, visit humanandholy.com slash sponsor or email us at info at humanandholy.com. Today's episode is the first in a two-part series on Hasidus and the arts. First, we will hear from Amy Guderson, who is the artistic director and founder of Tzohar Seminary in Pittsburgh, which is a Torah and art fusion seminary for young women. Amy speaks about what Hasidus teaches us about the creative process, not just in art, but also in life, and how creativity can aid us in connecting to the teachings of the Torah. Next week, for part two in this series, on the Sunday before Yudalif Nisan, we will hear from Rivka Krinsky, who is an incredibly talented artist, about the Rebbe's perspective on artists and creative work, as well as a really profound blessing the Rebbe gave her as a child, which came full circle for her as an adult. Join us today with Amy Guderson, Part one of a two-part series on the arts, what Hasidus teaches us about creativity and what creativity teaches us about life. My name is Amy Guderson. My title is I'm the artistic director and founder of Sohar Seminary. What I'm passionate about is creativity and the arts in combination with everything, but particularly in combination and expressing Hasidus, which is what the seminary and the extensions of the seminary are focused on. It's been a very, very exciting process. The seminary is in its 12th year now, and we are growing in other directions as well. We have an umbrella title called Sohar Arts. Under that is Sohar Seminary, Torah Arts, and Sohar Women. Over the years, we've created a program called Parsha Through the Arts, which is taking a point of the Parsha and bringing it to life for the younger students at yeshiva schools nearby, and also using the art form to teach the lesson of the Parsha. And so this is being extended into... Torah education as arts integration overall, over the whole curriculum, using arts as a means of teaching. It's done elsewhere for teaching science and math and social studies, but here we're opening up channels for different kinds of learners to access Torah, to bring it to life for them so they can own it. 
And that's what our students here at Sohar Seminary and in our program have been able to bridge those two and to really do all parts of themselves and grow as young Jewish women, as individuals, and to see themselves as artists for the first time with something to say and how important it is for them to share their piece of Hasidus, their neshama, what they're here to do, their mission with the world. That's a piece of what I do now. The other piece that I've been doing, and this is more recent for me, is energy healing, specifically something called the emotion code. I used to be an actor. I did off-Broadway. And then when I became from, I stopped doing that. I've been trying, you know, always to find channels and places for my creativity, basically just to the healing that I found it to be closer to acting not, of course, in performing, but in terms of being a vessel for someone else, in terms of being a vessel to give things over to Hashem. And it has made me more in touch with Hashem daily, more in touch with other human beings and other lives daily, which is very, very close to acting. I feel like Hashem is giving me finally this gift of like, oh, you did all these other things. Baruch Hashem, here is a gift of using exactly what you love from acting. Again, forget the performing, that's just a piece, but really being willing to go on a journey with anyone, being an open vessel, both for the flow of the person and from Hashem. It's definitely my joy right now, along with the other creativity that I do. And I think it will come into play because I want to talk a lot about being a vessel and what that means in creativity. So that's just to start. I think it's really helpful that you mentioned that because anyone who is listening who doesn't identify as a creative person might think, how are these ideas going to in any way resonate in my life? But I think that so much of what you embody through your work at Sohar is that the arts is a way of life. And even if you are not picking up a paintbrush, even if your creativity takes on different forms, there's so much within Hasidus that can teach us about just being creators in our own life. Being a creator is being a vessel and et cetera. So we'll get more into that. Something that stood out to me when you were describing Sohar was that what you discovered is that art is not just a way of expressing what you learn, but it's actually a way of learning Hasidus. I'm wondering if you could explain that, how people actually learn Hasidus through creating art. Well, first of all, there are different kinds of learners, right? And we all have different ways. I remember teaching my children to read, you know, in kindergarten. I would sit with each one and I could see that they took it in differently. My oldest learned everything by sight. When he saw something, he remembered it. My second one, who's a musician, did everything by ear and she would sound it out. My third one did a combination. The fourth one we always said is a genius because we couldn't figure out how he learns. But everybody learns differently and through different channels. And so that's part of education and being a good educator. But being creative is not about directly being an artist. It's actually about living B'Tselem Elohim, living in the image of Hashem. Hashem is literally the great creator. He creates everything. Now, he creates something from nothing. We're never creating from absolute nothing because we're a part of something. We are all one. And it's actually a quote from the Rebbe to an artist that we have on our website, which is the purpose of the artist is to use different means. I think he was talking about a visual artist, but to reveal what's underneath the surface and that that's man's purpose in the world is to reveal what's underneath the surface. And so 
I feel like an artist gets to be one step ahead, whether you do that through poetry, whether you do that by teaching Hasidus, whether you do that by being a social worker, it doesn't matter how. That is an artist's focus. I don't really love using the word art. People, first of all, don't necessarily extend it to the other arts. They don't think of music. They don't think of writing. They think of painting. So obviously here at Sohar, we do all of the arts. I'm actually right now in a recording studio. We have a recording studio here at Sohar where the students record their own music and podcasts, et cetera. So they're learning that along with filmmaking and dance and music and creative writing and playwriting and screenwriting and visual arts as well. The girls don't come thinking they're artists. Some of them do, like they're really developed or they're really talented, but a lot of them are are creative. And honestly, they haven't had a chance in their schools to do the arts. So they come here and they're learning Hasidus half the day and they're learning arts, all of those that I just mentioned, half the day. So it's at this point in the year that we're up to after Hanukkah, where they actually have to start weaving them together before they were learning craft and content or content and craft. And now another thing that they do is they write morning pages in the morning, which is from the artist's way. They have to write three pages of whatever's in their head, spill it onto the page every day. It's actually before davening. And it's a kind of hispotidus, I guess, where you're just sharing with the page, with Hashem, your thoughts and feelings at the moment, just draining your brain onto the page, literally. And then what we find is that the students are able to start to think for themselves. It's no longer the household I grew up in only. I mean, obviously that comes into play in everyone, but it's also starting to hear what they think, what they feel, what their questions are. And so it really helps them grow in huge ways. So we take that and the Hasidus that they've learned and they get to choose a point that really means something to them that's connected to their personal growth. And they choose an art form that they'd like to express it through. And they all create a project for something that we call Hasidus Art and Identity. And every year at midterm, we have like a presentation. They share individual thoughts on Hasidus and how it connects to them. And they express it through an art form. And that could be an original film, an original song, an original poem, original dance. It sounds like I see you making your faces. I mean, it sounds like heaven, right? Like heaven. And that's why we're creating Sohar Women, which will probably have to be online. Because women see this and they're like, wait, I didn't get this. I want this. We've just realized we've been trying to do it locally, but nobody has enough time. This is why it's a seminary, because you have full time to do this, this immersion. Students, right. And women, as much as they might want it, they have other schedules. So I think it's an online thing where women can take it at their own pace. So hopefully soon that'll be available, you know, for the rest of us to apply. And also then the Torah arts piece that, you know, kids get it as a part of their Yerusha, like it shouldn't be, oh, I have to go off to the secular world to get my creativity. There are tools that can be totally there for them. It's like learning a language and it's a way of expression. So one thing, well, I'll just start with Lechatila River because it's a good place to start. I think it's that when you do have developed skills that you want to use in the arts, as a from person, it's difficult. And Lechatrila River means when you get up to a big wall, you jump over it. And that's what the previous Rebbe had talked about. And it's something that I've always felt like, wow, I really relate to that energy. So 
you come up to a wall of like, okay, this is, if I'm a, an actress and I'm learning theater, what am I going to really do with it? How do I apply it now that I'm living a from life? This isn't really the lechatrila. The is when we're born and we're growing up. But when you're at this point, what do you do? How do you create something? And so today, I think this is very much not only about my personal creativity, but about creating vessels. We're a vessel, personally, and that's what the students here are doing. They're growing their vessel. They're growing their connection to Hasidus. They're growing their talents and their arts, and they're finding their talents, whether it be in the arts or not. They're knowing, oh, I'm really a good people person, or I'm really a good organizational person. It's about being a person who uses creativity and uses it as a tool, as a vessel for their purpose in the world and sharing the light of Torah with the world and the light of Hasidus. I know about Zohar. I have friends who attended Zohar. And just listening to you talk about its perspective and what it's hoping to accomplish, just talking straight to my soul, I feel if all of us could incorporate this integration in all parts of our life, because that's really what it is, is like encouraging your students, but not just your students, like you said, which I'm so happy about, that Zohar is branching out also to younger students and women and giving other people access to these amazing tools to be able to integrate the ideas of Hasidus into who we are as people and who we are as creative people, organizational people, 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 whatever it is, but to really be able to integrate it. So it's not just something that remains in our head, but something that we participate in fully because within art specifically and literal creativity, but not just visual arts, but in many forms of art, you see that the person themselves becomes a participant in their own world. Like they get to create something, they get to communicate something. And bridging that with Hasidus is such a gift to be able to really experience the ideas of Hasidus in a real way. I would venture to say, you know, the end is wedged in the beginning. Hashem created a world. So that essence of creativity is there. And again, so it's not necessarily about making art. Like, you know, we say Hasidus is like the oil of Torah, like it enriches it, it gives it the taste and the oomph and the why also. I mean, I grew up with Torah without Hasidus. And to me, it was much drier. And for me and how I function, I did not get excited about halacha. I was fine with doing it, but Hasidus gets me excited about everything and everything I do, including halacha. <laughs> it's the essence, as we say, the essence of Torah. And I'd say that creativity, it mirrors that, and it's an essential part of the world. So we talk about it as artists, and people say, I'm not creative. Well, that is not true. Hashem created you that way. First of all, you're mirroring Him. Second of all, you make children. You create things every day, and you don't even realize it. You don't call it creativity. So I'd like to share something with you that I teach my students, which is about the growth process, but it's also the creative process. There's four kind of statements that we make in our growth process or our creative process. The first being, uh-oh, something's wrong. Uh-oh, I have to either create a project or uh-oh, there's something in my life that needs to change or there's a problem here. Uh-oh, that's the first step. And uh-oh, it can be pretty short-lived. Then it goes in the process to, oh no. So uh-oh is the first realization, something's up, something's wrong, or I have to create or do something. That first realization, oh no, is 
all of these things are going to get unraveled or, oh, no, is I don't have the tools to move forward. I don't know how to teach my children this. I didn't have it in my background. Oh, no, is I have an idea maybe, but I don't know how to do it. And then comes aha. Aha means I've gained a skill. It means I learned from somebody else or I heard from their experience. Aha means, oh, okay, I can express that, you know, by writing something. And then you get back to, oh, no, because it becomes like, oh, no, I don't know how to do it in this art form. Or, oh, no, I don't know how to do this with my children. And that goes back and forth that, oh, no, and aha, we learn and we grow in the process. And so that's a much longer term of back and forth. And I'll speak to the back and forth soon as well. But then when we feel like, you know, this question or this thing we needed manifested to happen at the end, like this project, or now I'm able to discipline my children with love, have that balance of chesed and gevura in a teferet way in my household and have my household be that balance of the two. That's a ta-da. And obviously, it's ta-da sometimes, not all the time. But ta-da, here it is. Here's my film that I made. Here's the piece of growth that I've had in my life. Here's us doing it in our household. So that whole process is, uh-oh, oh no, aha, ta-da. And then we start all over again as soon as there's ta-da. Yeah. So <laughs> literally, the creative process is the growth process. And when you're learning how to run your household in a certain way, you're being creative. When you're learning how to take on, if I actually learned how to do this with the microphone, you know, I'd be learning how to do something that'd be part of my, oh no, you know, you asked me to do this podcast and I was, I was like, uh-oh, you know, if I, as soon as I heard a microphone, uh-oh, I have to like get a microphone. And then, oh no, what do I do? How do I do it? And Baruch Hashem, we have a studio here. I had a lot of oh no's and ahas in there, but the final aha was I'll call our, our teacher who does this and help me set it up, Baruch Hashem, because I'm really not technical. And the ta-da is here. And then, of course, you're always going through that process again. So what happens in that as part of the process between especially the oh no and the aha as you're learning is I think a Kabbalistic idea. And it's something in an everyday word in Hebrew, which if you live there, you have an electricity bill, you see at the top, it says chashmal. Chashmal means electricity. And there's two parts to the word. word. There's a chash and a mal. So mal is, stands for milah. It's when I express myself, when I say, I need this, or this is what I want to do. This is what I want to happen. And then comes the hush, the quiet, the hush. And that's when we're listening and receiving from Hashem. So it goes to another Hasidic concept of being mashbia mechabel. We think of that more in roles, so, but I do see it in terms of this hashmal. We put something out there in the world and then we listen and Hashem answers us or we receive the, in the creative process, we say, oh, I have to do this project. I don't know what it should be on. And then we receive an idea of, okay, I think, I think I really liked filmmaking. I think I'll do that. And then I say my next word, what is that going to be about? What's the Hasidic concept and what do I relate to? And then I receive that, whatever that is of my growth. But the idea, it's the Chachma that drops in. That's coming directly from Hashem to me. And then it's for me to do that with. So in this process of the uh-oh, oh no, aha, ta-da, of growth and of creativity, 
there's a movement back and forth, and I'm engaging with Hashem. And I'd say it's a real metaphor for life and kind of a boil down life. But creativity itself is life because, I mean, some of you are scared of the word, but again, it's about receiving and giving and putting it out there and receiving the answer, the next step from Hashem. And then asking from Hashem and receiving. It is about tefillah as well, but chashmal literally means electricity. I'm putting out there, receiving, putting out there, receiving. So you see, there's a movement. There's a movement forward and a movement. We're not stuck. We're not just in our own head. We're putting it out there to Hashem. He's giving us the next step, maybe not in our timeline. It may be in his timeline that we don't recognize, but the more that we keep ourselves open to that, the better. That's where my energy work comes in of unblocking. We unblock ourselves to that energy and to that realization, which is something we need to work on. And I think that's really the Gaulidic part that we're moving into as human beings. That not that we have negative things happen to us because obviously the good things are good. Like we want to live in joy. And certainly the arts and creativity are a way of expressing that. But it's also a way of getting to that. It's a way of really living in it. And I'd say our positive emotions are totally gaulidic. We can see that. Our joy, our friendships, our, our love, all of that. We say, oh, that's gaulidic. But I think our negative emotions are as well. Things that happen negatively. If we're sad one day or if we're like, I'll give an example of jealousy. If we're jealous of someone, certainly that doesn't feel good. It feels terrible and it feels weird. And we say, why am I jealous of that person? But when we can learn something from it and say, oh, that person has, you know, they learn with their kids every day. And I'm just giving one example, or they're all creative and they express it. They have a family band. Oh, I would love to have that in my family. As soon as I realize what piece of that I'm needing and I'm wanting in myself, the jealousy just disappears. So I always use that as an example of a negative emotion that teaches. There's plenty of them that teach, but we often have to work at giving them over. So if I'm going to be defensive with my husband or defensive with anyone when they speak to me, how do I give that over? How do I change that behavior in myself? And honestly, I think it's like a modern day korban. What's a modern day korban? You have this thing in your life, a way of being stuck. And if you can actually learn how to hand it over to Hashem and say, Hashem, you hold this, you really are everything. I'm just getting in your way. So I'm meant to be your vessel, but my defensiveness is getting in the way of hearing my husband, of that flow. And that flow is creativity. That flow is the chashmal, the electricity. That flow is our life force. And everything negative that we're stuck in is us being stuck. And sure, Hashem created the world that way, but it's our job to bring geula. I think I'm kind of calling it in my head, like Mashiach ben Yosef times, like that we're able to do work <laughs> with that, that we're able to create a geula within ourselves. You know, when Mashiach ben David comes, like we'll, we'll all know it, we'll all acknowledge it, but we're readying ourselves with this kind of work. And I do see creativity as an opening, as a, a way of being open. I try not to like get too hard on the educational system, but I know as a creative kid, I felt like I was just sitting in a chair and I was smart enough to like study for a test and just do okay. But 
It wasn't making me excited about my life. It made me compartmentalize who I was and what I was learning, and certainly secular studies too. But secular studies were different. They were, yeah, I mean, there were ideas in the English and the social studies and the in the history and in the science, and but there were more tools. When I was taught something that was content that was supposed to be my neshama, I really had a difficult time. I sat there and I was told to read and explain, you know, translate, and that that was the way to learn it. And that wasn't necessarily my, I'll, I'll say my jam, like to, actually right. I found out later I'm very good with languages, but sitting and reading and translating scared me and it made me, and I just sat there a lot of the time and in English too. So this is just my way as a learner to sit behind a desk, even though I'm not, certainly not ADHD and I can focus and I always have been able to focus, but I daydream because I was like, yeah, I can catch up later. There are different kinds of learners. We do this every year in the beginning of Sohar. We ask the students, what do you think? Do you think you're a what learner? Like where you're given the information and you give it back. And almost all schools are set up for what students. There are some who have really learned to do that and they're good at that and they're fine with it. However, there are other parts to them as well. And then there are students who don't relate to that. So there are why students who need to know the why. Why are we doing this? What's the purpose of this? Teachers get annoyed with why students. But some of the best conversations are with Y students. People who teach Hasidus don't get upset with Y students. That's all the conversation, <laughs> and that's wonderful. And I know that I was, I was partly a Y student. And then there are the house students who often really have trouble sitting there. They might do well in math, but they might do well creating a film. They can take things apart, know how they work. I had a student like this way back who always had a hard time in school and in learning. And she created one of the best films. She was a great photographer and filmmaker. And she created one of the best films that we've ever had. And it was literally about how people learn and that people learn in different ways. She was able to express visually how different people learn and how they assimilate information and how they grow and how they share with the world, how they're, how they're a vessel how each person's a different kind of vessel. Yeah. And then after that, there's the what if. And this was me all the time. I was daydreaming, not very interested. Most of it wasn't very interesting. And then something out of nowhere hit me. I was like, wow, that's interesting. And then I'd leave the classroom again in my head and go, what if, if that's true, what if, and what can I do with it? And what can I create with it? And what can happen with that? I mean, there are creatives of all types. And how can school open up to other kinds of learners? And how can it enrich even the learners who are doing well? Oh, they're doing fine. So us teachers who are have excelled at being what learners think it should be this way. So everybody's a little threatened by the Torah arts idea initially. But I do think that ultimately, and this is a vision for down the line, but Mir Sashem that ultimately that creativity can open us up to learning more deeply, to owning our Torah, our Hasidus, our knowing who we are in it from a young age. How can we get excited to go learn? And how can we get excited to find out who we are and how we grow and not turn off and go do something else that we think isn't Hashem? First of all, everything's Hashem. Enod Malvado. It's all mm. it's all a flow. And so we have to open the flow on every level. 
And I do believe that that electricity, that creativity is the essence. That's the energy. It's the same thing as energy. People say you do energy work. I know it sounds weird. So I try to try to ground, especially my <laughs> from clients. I try to ground them. I'm like, all energy is, is Enod Malvado. There's nothing but Hashem. And we're part of that whole. We see ourselves as separate and we're not. And I'm on the phone with you and I'm doing this work with you. I don't need to be with you in person. It's Hashem who has the flow and we're just getting out of the way and being a vessel and a prism in the moment that it passes through us. Everything you said, like, I'm just sitting here in absolute utter bliss. I don't even think I have to say a word and I could just like drink it in. Every word talks to me. I can so relate to having my entrance into Hasidus being my own creativity, not at all being able to connect in the classroom. And I do hope for not only students, but also for adults who haven't necessarily had the opportunity to explore their own vessel, to be able to figure out like, what is my way of learning? And is there a reason why Torah and Hasidus is not talking to me in this deep way? I always say, if Hasidus is not penetrating, you haven't learned from the right teacher in the right way. It's your soul's language. It's going to resonate in a deep way, but it just depends how you're learning it, not just from who, but also through what medium. So I think it's really powerful to give people the tools to do that. That brings me to specifically not just people who are feeling blocked, but also anyone in a season of being blocked. So I want to include both. Either someone who feels like that chashmal that you're describing, I can't access that. I can't access the listening. I feel blocked in my life. I don't feel like I can accept the flow, like I could surrender to it, like I could listen openly, like I could overcome the fear and inhibition of creating, but not necessarily creativity, just like that energy. So either they feel that in general in their life, or they just feel like they're in a season of high stress. And so therefore they can't access the flow. What would be your advice there to helping someone become unblocked to it? First of all, the awareness of why am I blocked is helpful. So self-awareness is key. I'll keep it really general. I'll say that our spiritual life, we are neshamas, all of us in this world in some way, we're human beings. And obviously there's the neshama that's connected with Yiddishkeit and we have a specific mission. That's why we're here. Stepping out of Hashem's way is what we're talking about in essence with all of that. I'll bring it on different levels. Here we have students who are about to do this project. And I think knowing about the uh-oh, oh no, aha, ta-da is helpful because part of that are blockages, you know, your growth process has that. Your first uh-oh is just the realization, but all those oh no's are blockages of one kind or another. Getting through that blockage is an aha, whether it be, I need to learn more. I need to be more self-aware. I need to bring somebody else in, in my life who can support me. Whatever those are, they're sort of blockages and those ahas are coming through them. So that's just in terms of the motif of how we function. You know, I have some big visions that I feel like I'm receiving in the Hashemal process. And then I'm like, Hashem, now what? Because I can't just push other people to do this idea. How's it going to come together? I feel not necessarily blocked. I don't always feel that way, but I feel like it's not for me to answer, maybe. So to be in a place of receiving means I need to open up in different ways. So for some people, that might mean doing therapy to become more self-aware in their lives. It might mean, I mean, I think morning pages are great because you could just use them on your own. In terms of like what I do along with therapy, therapy is taking you from the subconscious into the consciousness 
And what the healing stuff, or at least the somatic stuff does, is it takes it out of your body. It's where you're stuck. You're holding the emotions in your body and you're actually stuck. So it brings it to another level. I can know something, but I can't necessarily do it. And releasing does that for you. And then also, it's just always turning to Hashem. That's where it always is. These are just like tools. Davening, if you're good with davening, great. If you're just, you know, if you want to do Hispotidus and go walk in the woods and and speak to Hashem and ask Him. I mean, I've been seeing things out there about manifesting. And this is totally about Hashem. You know, you're saying, you're asking, you're saying, Hashem, can this happen? Can I have health in my life? And then there's the belief. I know it can happen. This is sort of the Lechatrila River that we were talking about. I know it can happen. And then thank you, Hashem, for making it happen. And you can thank him in advance. Now, you also have to loosen up your grip of what your expectation is. It won't necessarily happen the way I see it or when I see it. But if I'm truly let myself get in that groove with Hashem, hopefully I'll see what he's giving me. So... L'Chatrila River is the idea of getting to a wall and jumping over it. And I think it is a leap of faith. You have something right away and you see the blocks and you just go for it, trusting Hashem. I think it's another level, a whole other level of trust. So if you're able, when you're feeling blocked to do that, I think that's humongous. It's a huge act of faith. And I found recently I'll give you the example. We've taken the girls in the past on a trip to Israel because we're here in Pittsburgh right now, which Emir Sashem may change in the future. And we wanted to take them on a longer trip. And of course, that costs more money. So actually, this year we're going for almost a month as opposed to like 10 days, two weeks. So we get the sense of like doing creativity in the arts and seeing Jewish artists and living and learning in the land, which a lot of other seminaries get. But we started here. So this is where we are. And this is where we need to be at the moment. And so taking them for a month gives them, of course, so much more. So taking this big leap forward, I was like, Actually, we can't even tell what the costs are going to be till we plan the trip. And in planning the trip in the seminary year happens so fast, like you're on to the next one before you finish the one you're in, in terms of planning and administration. So taking the leap forward and saying, we actually just have to say we're doing it and figure out the money after, which is very scary and may sound irresponsible to many of you out there. But it is a huge leap of faith. And I know a lot of shluchim have to have to function this way and are given the gift of Lechatrila River in their faith and their connection with the Rebbe and their Hasidus, that there's a huge leap of faith forward of saying, I am going to do this work and it's going to happen. And thank you, Hashem, for letting me be the vessel for this. But here was my trouble with my Lechatrila River. We got, we got to the point of sending out the email to the parents to say, we're actually doing a month. And that's when I realized there's no turning back. And like, we don't know yet. And that's where I started to get cold feet. And that's a perfect place for cold feet because I was about to take my running jump. We were about to take our running jump forward over the wall. And Baruch Hashem, our director of education, Rabbi Hordner, who's very calm in these things, was like, yeah, we can do it. So I'm the crazy one, maybe, with the ideas who says, let's jump. But there are other people (laughs) along the way. Who push you? (laughs) I'm trying to let go of those cold feet and warm them up and 
and just say, look, we've had so much else, you know, where Hashem's pulled us through. Let's just keep going and let's let it go faster. Let's bring ourselves to Geula faster. Obviously, this is just about a trip, but it is about growing so hard. Yeah. It is about growing yourself. It is about it is the about what, what are you manifesting in your life? What is the chashmal between you and Hashem? How is that energy catapulting you over the wall? And Hashem is there. Hashem is the net always. Hashem is everything. Not only is he catching you, he's there with you and everything. And in fact, you know, if you take yourself for a moment and let yourself dissolve the you, it's something that I get to say in my healing work, where I say, the only gift I really have to give you is that I know nothing. Mm. And that's the journey of it. And I don't do that in every part of my life. I feel like I'm in my head or I have ego or whatever. And wherever I can say, I know nothing, which has to be in this healing work. And anytime I've done it with a kid or you know somebody in my family, you're always in the way because it's like, first of all, I have too much information, literally. And second of all, I'm davening for you the whole time. I want it to be a certain, I'm totally in the way. With somebody I don't know, it's really a leap forward of just like, yeah, I'm here for you. And I know nothing. Let's find it through this process. And we find the answers together. We release it together and we give it over to Hashem together. and We get out of the way. We're literally working with blocks. And that's in terms of feeling physically blocked, emotionally blocked, blocked in our relationships. And not to say I'm perfect because I do this. No, I'm just being a channel for others. And of course, my, me, myself, I'm learning from it. I love that you gave that example of the month-long trip to Israel, because I think that anytime we set out to create anything, so in this case, it was creating a month-long trip, if it's going to be you know, making the decision to have a family, if it's going to be opening up a paper and starting to write, there is that surrender, which is like, I'm jumping. That was such a beautiful example, because one, it wasn't specifically art-related, but anyone who's an artist can relate to that jump where it's like, I don't know if I have the skills, the talent, the wisdom. I don't. I'm just opening myself up to be a vessel to something else. And so in this case, it's like, I don't. <laughs> right. But, right. But we never do. I just think that that example is such a good metaphor for every time you have to set out in uncharted territory, which is the only way for us to grow in our relationship with God, to come closer to Mashiach, to make a difference is to face the unknown and to take those risks and to address the fact that like Hashem believes in us and the mission, like Hashem believes in the mission of Tzohar even more than you possibly could. You are just opening yourself up. I remember in the beginning saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And somebody saying to me, right. you actually, you studied improv, right? That's your thing, improv. All of this is an improv. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the it's smartest thing they could have told me. Life's an improv. I mean, all of it is. Life's an and improv. And I, I do treasure improv more than the other parts of, of theater. I love teaching improv. It's also because I can teach Hasidic ideas through improv because it is a mirror for life, for sure. So kind of taking the skills of jumping in, finding that energy of being Mashbiya Makabel, of the Hashmal, of all of it is part of like an Open improv game. And I'm telling yeah. you, schools can start teaching these games. They're, they're super simple. But to take it in, not as like, oh, just recess separate from my brain, but to integrate it and say, wow, to share this game with you. We're in the circle. It's a quieter game. It's hard to describe. But if I was initiating, so I would turn to someone else in the circle and I would nod. And my nod is a request. Can I come to your spot? 
So I'm going like that. It's hard to picture, but the person who then sees that nods in response. They have to accept as part of the game. So they accept and I, the initiator, I start to go to their spot. So person number two, then before they move, has to turn to someone else in the circle and not a request. Okay. And they can't go till that person accepts them. So initiator number one keeps going. The person said, uh, yes. And then they turn to someone else while this person's still coming and request and then start to go. What ends up happening is a weave in the circle. Mm -hmm. And we're all going on a certain trust and we're all moving forward. But also, and this is something that we all need to learn as well, like especially mothers, is that we don't give up our place till we have a place to go. So the other metaphor for that is the oxygen mask in the plane. They say, do not put on your oxygen mask before you give it to someone else. And that's true with any kind of loving and nurturing. You need to love yourself first, and then you can really give love to others. And how much love and nurturing and goodness you can give others is dependent on what you give yourself. How much oxygen you give yourself is how much oxygen you can give. We learn that especially as mothers, but all of us have, I won't say necessarily traumas because we use that word a lot, but we all are stuck, you know, from our past life up till this moment. We're all blocked in some way. In order to move forward and unblock, we need to love ourselves and nurture ourselves and learn how to do that. But then it's also leaping forward. It's the whole idea of shlichus too. Like the Rebbe really set it up amazingly. Look at what the Rebbe set up with shluchim all over the world, all taking these leaps forward in these crazy, wonderful places where in every corner of the world, Hashem is being revealed. Hashem's there. You're going out there, you have a net, Hashem's there, you have the, the Rebbe, you have Chabad, and other people have this too, not in the same way. Chabad is amazing because of the structure and, and how the Rebbe set it up for us. And certainly that is a vision of proportions that, you know, we can't even imagine. But look at that structure of leaping forward and having others learn to leap forward and in bringing Mashiach. Wow. You know, so teaching some of those tools to help people do it more easily, more in sync with who they are fully rather than compartmentalizing. This is my from part. This is my not from part. This is the part I should do. This is the part I shouldn't do. Sure. I mean, there's guided pathways. There's pathways we should go. Torah gives us that. But leaving parts of myself out is way too hard to live that way. So if I am a creative person, that's been a big, big chunk of it. But it's not just that. It's other people who learn in other ways. It's not just creatives who are saying, okay, what if it could be somebody who is like, I don't relate to this. I relate to this. Something that's coming together for me is the idea that leaping forward is about becoming a greater vessel and like being self-aware, strengthening the vessel, making sure it's whole, doesn't have cracks in it and really setting aside our inhibitions, our insecurities, et cetera, to properly be able to receive the electricity from Hashem is what then allows us to leap forward. Like leaping forward is just surrendering and becoming a vessel. It's an act of receiving from Hashem. So that just came full circle for me just now. And I think that's beautiful. Certainly when you get over the wall, but I wouldn't worry so much that the vessel is whole and has cracks in it because that's part of the journey. 
And it's true with my defensiveness that I need to get out of the way with Hashem. Like there are cracks in me. I'm not perfect. I can't be perfect in jumping forward. I can't wait till I've lost all my weight or till I've, you know, I'm the perfect mother. I'm the vessel I am now. And so I jump forward with that vessel, knowing that there'll be other vessels there, people partnering with me and that Hashem will hold me. And also that that light that comes in will teach me new things and my reach will exceed my grasp, right? So it's just life is a process and an improv where we're playing with Hashem and we should see it as joyful. I love it. I love that line, life is an improv. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say by cracks, I did not in any way mean our imperfections. I meant more about nurturing ourselves so that we can receive. Because I mean, like even just that practice of morning pages is a way of making yourself more of a vessel or even just opening up whatever each person's thing is that allows them to receive. Sometimes when we're just focused on survival, we don't have anything to be able to catch. This was so beautiful. I'm wondering what would be your closing message? Just like if you had to sum it up in three sentences about how to integrate this understanding of being a vessel for Hashem into our lives, what would that look like? I think the personally being a vessel and growing yourself and seeing what your talents are. And talents mean many things, not just arts. Seeing what your talents are and that leading you to your mission, but working on yourself in every way. That means working like our students get to do, working on your personal growth, working on your knowledge of Hasidus that could feed you, and working on the vessels that you create. So For them, it could be an art project, but it could be creating a school or teaching where other people can receive, where it can be more holistic, where we don't just learn here, where we learn in all of us. To get into the space where you become aware of how am I in the way of myself and being a vessel and how do I make that greater vessel? How do I bring Gula in myself in this moment? There is good and there is very good. So the good is what we see. It's the positive emotions. It's the light in the world. And we see the good and we say, oh, let's all do that. And then when we have a hardship, and they're hard, and some are harder than others, but for each person, they have their own hardships, their own dark. And when we have that, we do have to have the realization that in the dark is very good and that there is an even greater good in that. It's very hard to build that if it's a devastating darkness, but maybe in the minor ones, we can um, train ourselves, maybe not to worry about complaining, but to hand over my defensiveness, my resentment, my bitterness, my whatever that negative feeling is and get out of my own way and give it to Hashem and say, I'm jumping forward with you, I'm getting out of the way. And that's in every part of our lives. So I think that that's the work we have to do. I really do. And Mirza Hashem, through many channels, people will express it in different ways. They'll be creative with it in different ways. But I do feel like that's the essence, like the Mashiach ben Yosef, if we could call it that. I don't know if I read it that somewhere or if I'm just taking that leap in myself, like that's where we could be and working on ourselves. And the Rebbe said, it's time for you to do. It's time for all of you. I've, I've said what I've said. It's for you 
to take forward. And we need yeah. to unblock and let Hashem in and keep jumping forward. And we have lots of tools that we've been given. And clearly we do, because we are moving forward. Yeah. So Baruch Hashem. Yeah. We're totally moving Baruch forward. Hashem. It's so Thank bright. you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything that you do. I'm really grateful for your work and I look forward to watching it evolve. And thank you so much for this. Thank you so much, Tanya. And may I give you a bracha that you you keep going forward with bracha and hatzlacha and bringing different Amen. voices forward that we can hear and learn from. May you grow in your vessel and may we all grow and may you, know, you be a shining light to all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you. What would it take to crack open your vessel, to shake off some of the residue that stops you from receiving the electricity that you crave? For me, it's about being more present in the in-between moments of my life, trusting that despite all my adult responsibilities, it is safe to make time to create that I can sink into a single quiet moment and make space for creative energy to flow into and be expressed in my life. What is your opening? The space you want to make to co-create with God. Where can you invite creative magic into your everyday moments? And how can we become more connected to our essential creativity, to our ability to create the reality we want to live in and the beautiful world we want to see. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, I want to invite you to leave a rating or a review. It helps other people find the podcast. And you know, we're all about getting Hasidus into every corner of the world. I also want to invite you, if you really loved it, to share it with a friend who you think might love it too. If you would like to sponsor an episode, you can reach out to us at humanandholy at gmail.com. To give to Human and Holy in any amount, visit humanandholy.com slash sponsor. You can follow us on Instagram at humanandholy, and you can stay up to date with everything we do by signing up for our newsletter on humanandholy.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.